Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Thank you so much for your giving today. Uh, It's truly an honor to see you in God's house. Uh, This is 11.30 crowd, the hangover service. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) But you guys slept a little longer. Uh, It's good to see you in God's house. We've had an incredible day uh, today so far. Uh, God's speaking to us about vision. And so that's what I'm going to talk to you about is vision. This is Vision Sunday. Um, And vision is a major part of why Bethesda Church is what it is. It's It's the driving force of why we do what we do. Uh, We're very uh, on point as it relates to vision. We only do what we feel God has told us to do, and we don't do anything more, anything less, just what God has said. How many know you can be blessed just doing what God has said? Uh, And so it has been the driving force over the last 10 years and will continue to be, but as I look at our church over the last 10 years, I became pastor a little more than 10 years ago, 29 years old, full of, um, I guess you would call it... Uh, youth, uh, youth uh, uh, enthusiasm, zeal, a passion to change the world, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I was in over my head, to say the least, and um, we went from 70 people to 60 people real, really fast. Um, I had the ministry of subtraction in the early days, um, but God has blessed us, and I, I look around 10 years later at what God is doing and being able to offer three morning services and seeing the lives changed, and and I just have to take a step back and say, look at what God has done. Amen? He's been so good to us, so faithful. I do want to say, though, that it's a miracle what God is doing, but it's not an accident. A lot of times we look at something like this, like we just kind of, you know, fell into it. That's not the case at all. It's been very much a part of our DNA, a part of the vision we feel God has given us. And so, I want to take just a moment, we don't always have time to do this, but I wanted to be intentional today to share some information with you guys uh, so that you can be informed on where we are uh, as it relates to the, um, the Imagine campaign. As you know, that March of last year, March of 17, we took a bold step of faith and we, we stepped out to do something uh, significant with our faith in uh, expanding our facilities uh, a mid-building, a new auditorium that will seat double what we have in here, uh, but it was going to cost $3.5 million, which is a, a big number, uh, to say the least, but we, we took a bold step, and this is phase two, um, but to, before I go any further with that, I want to speak to phase one. Phase one, those of you that have been here for a few years, you know that uh, we had to first buy three additional acres of property, and then we took the time to pave it, stripe it, put streetlights in it, all that. That costed uh, us $640,000. So that was a big deal, but it was, uh, was kind of a step you know, towards something bigger. Uh, the cool thing about that $640,000 is, is we paid cash for it. That's a good place to praise the Lord, right? Isn't that cool? Uh, And so it is a big step what we are doing uh, in expanding our facilities. Um, 3.5 million is nothing uh, to sneeze at. Uh, But we launched this. We we chose to do it last year in March. And we had a month where we spoke to you about vision and about building for the future. And we're not building buildings. We're building people. Uh, And we received pledges in March of last year. 
Um, those pledges, that's where people who attend Bethesda said, you know what, I'm going to go above my normal tithing offering, and I want to commit this amount over the next 24 months towards the new facility. Uh, so when we did that, we had, at that time, we had 633000 just shy of $634,000 that was pledged. And up um, to this point, 11 months later, almost a year into it, 276,000 of the 633 has already come in, um, and an additional 51,000 was given that was not pledged, but just given and designated, bringing the total up to received in the last 12 months, $327,000. So let's give God praise for that. Um, Some amazing things are happening. uh, And, uh, you know, timelines scare me a little bit because timelines... I come out and say, we're going to build this building. We're going to be worshiping by this date. Um, I can get myself in a lot of trouble because you say, well, you said we would be in it. And then timelines with building stuff and weather and construction crews and all the things that will go into this. Uh, I don't want to give a timeline other than the steel has been delivered and we plan on building this starting the first week of March. Um, I want to worship in it next Sunday. I know that's not going to happen. Uh, but we're, we're, I, you know, we'll keep you informed, let you know what's going on and how progress uh, is coming along. So I would just ask that you pray for God's favor on all that, uh, God's blessing on it. I know you'll do that. And thank you for your commitment to the Imagine campaign. Uh, vision, Proverbs 29 and 18. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals... They are most blessed. Ministry hinges on vision. That without vision, we can't see what God is doing. We can't see where God is taking us. Churches without vision stumble. Families that don't have a vision stumble. Businesses that uh, are not clear in what their vision, what the win is, they stumble and they fail to turn a profit. And it's very easy to get distracted whether it's in your home, your marriage, your finances, your local church, doesn't matter. It's easy for the vision to become cloudy. We've all been in a place before where we were, we were not sure, like, where are we going? Like, where, what is the win? Have we defined what the win is, what the goal is? When we speak of vision, we're really talking about clarity. The, the, the prophet said that when you have a vision, he said, write it down, make it plain, so that those who run may read it. Uh, and, and, and so what I have learned in pastoring this church as God continues to bless it, that the bigger the church gets, the more clear the vision has to be. That there can't be confusion surrounding the vision, um, what God has asked us to do or called us to do. And so you've got to ask yourself, what, what are your goals? You can apply this to your personal life. What are your goals? Uh, is it your desire to simply survive? I hope not. I hope you are believing for more than just survival, but that God would do amazing things in your personal life, in your career, in your marriage, and and even in your local church, that you're believing for some big things. Here's one thing that I'm certain of. If we aim at nothing, we'll hit it every time. The problem is, is most people don't have a target. They're they're, They're not aiming at anything. Uh, and it's hard to be frustrated in life when you didn't have a goal to begin with. Here, here's what I would say. Success is not an accident. 
Success is not an accident. Um, I'm always intrigued when I meet successful people. Like if I meet a, a businessman who's extremely successful, I want to talk to him and find out why. What, what did you do that I could learn from? Not that I need to do what you're doing, but I, I want to learn from your story. Here's what I found out about successful people. Most of them are not surprised by their success. And the reason is, is they started out with a goal in mind. So they're not surprised at all. They, that, they had a goal. They had a target. They, they, they were moving towards something. And so that's very important. Bethesda is accomplishing great things, not on accident. We're doing it on purpose. Amen? That, that this is not an accident. This is something God is doing. Uh, here's what you need to know, though. God orders my steps, but I am in charge of my stride. God orders my... What does that mean? It means God has a plan, a purpose, and a destiny for my life, but I'll determine how quickly that happens or how long it takes. Some people uh, keep circling the same mountains in life. They never reach a place of maturity where God can entrust them. You can literally... Um, accelerate the plan of God in your life, or you can decelerate it. And with that being said, I don't want to be the person who wastes a lot of time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I want to make sure I'm investing my time. That I'm not wasting time, but I'm investing time. The problem, though, is, is this. Because when, when you have a vision, vision is big picture, but vision is also detail. And I think a lot of people miss it because we have a big picture idea of the vision. The problem is, is it takes a lot of small steps to get to the big picture. So when it comes to vision, you got to know what next is. Come on, ask your neighbor. Just ask him, say, what's next? you got to know. Vision is big picture, but vision is also next. Now let me, let me stop right here because this is, a, this is a problem for a lot of people. The problem with next is that next is always designed to keep you out. Next is not designed to embrace you. Next is not designed to roll out the red carpet for you. Like next is, uh, listen, your next step is always the most difficult step. Like apply this to your marriage. If your marriage is in a bad spot, how many know your next step to make the marriage better is not going to be an easy step? It's going to be a difficult step. Why? Because you're probably going to have to forgive, and you're going to have to let go, and you're going to have to be the mature one, all those things. So what, whatever it is in your life, next is always designed to keep you out. Um, and what we have to learn is, is that if you, marriage is so good, I'll, I'll get back to that, but Pastor Brandon Melody killed it last week. But here, here's the thing, when you have something you're trying to achieve, you, you have a goal, you have a vision a dream, whatever it may be. Next is not designed to embrace that. It's designed to keep you out. But here's what I have learned over the years. Whatever I, I want to step into, I got to learn how to live on that level before I step into that. Great example. You want to get married, but you're still in the club. You have to learn how to be a husband before you get married. Come on, somebody. You got to learn how to be a wife. And if, and if you're in a club, you're not going to find spouse material in the club. 
obviously nobody there is real spouse material, and, and obviously if you're there, you're not spouse material either. Um, come on, don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. Um, if you're a businessman and you, you have a dream to have a multi-million dollar business, how many of you got to learn how to make million dollar decisions before you get there? When I first became pastor of Bethesda, I had a dream of 500 people attending this church because everybody, a lot of people said that would be impossible in a town this small. You know, they just felt like, that, you know, if you ever hit 500, that would definitely be a lid. So right off the gate, I set a, a barometer of 500 people. Uh, when we hit 500 people, um, at that time, I started telling our team and our staff, I said, we got to start acting like a church of 1,000. I said, because God is not going to entrust to us a thousand if we're still making 500 member decisions. And so there's, there's decisions you have to make. And it's not always easy. It's sometimes it's very painful. Uh, but how many know, I could have got to 500 and just said, all right, we hit the goal. Everybody else can go to hell now. We hit our target. Come on, y'all, help me. Smile, something, you know. You know, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. Nobody else can go to heaven now. We got them saved. This is it. We hit our marker. Everybody else can go to hell. We just come hang out. But no, we had to set some new goals. We had to make some new decisions. Why? Because as long as heaven and hell are realities, we should be reaching people. All right? As long as that's a real thing, then we should be reaching people and going after them. Now, vision means that I have to do my part in preparation for what God wants to do. Vision is not one-sided. Like, it doesn't fall out of heaven into your lap. And here's something so powerful that I didn't understand for years because I grew up in a church that did not teach me my responsibility when it comes to vision. We would come and pray for revival, God's glory, God's anointing, and God's blessing, and God's favor, but we never talked about how you prepare for all that. And so we're praying for stuff that's going to fall out of the sky, and we gave God nothing to work with. God does not pour glory out on nothing. All throughout the Bible, anytime glory, anointing, God's presence, God's favor is poured out, listen, there is always a structure that is ready to receive what God is doing. Which means if I want God to do something new and fresh in my life, then i got to give him a, a wineskin, if you will, to work with. I got to give him. Part of the Imagine campaign is we are giving God an opportunity in this new facility to pour out his glory so more people can be saved. It, it, it's not right to just say. Part of multiple services was giving God something to bless. Does that make sense? We want God to bless and then us get ready. No, you got to provide an, an opportunity for God to bless, for God to do some great things. Here's what 1 Corinthians 15, 46 says. However, the spiritual is not first. I always thought the spiritual was first. We just pray for the rain, you know, pray for the anointing. He said the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. So we have to give God something to work with. Here's the dilemma. We have clearly seen when we have vision, we usually know what's next. The problem is, is that we know what's next but our situation hasn't changed. That brings frustration. Uh, I was talking to someone out in the hallway, um, Brent Meadows, uh, a few minutes ago. We were talking about a church plant and, and how that, that can be. You know, that you're, you're kind of plowing ground and, and, and doing new things. Uh, people come to Bethesda at this point and they think, man, this is awesome. But if you had been here in those first three or four years, 
It wasn't that God didn't show up and God didn't move, but I'm telling you, it felt a lot like plowing up the ground. I would preach my guts out and zero harvest. Preach my guts out and nobody got saved. And, you know, you leave and it's like, man. But, but I didn't realize that all of that was seeds that would eventually become a harvest. And now it doesn't matter who preaches, people get saved. It doesn't matter if the pastor's doing it, a guest speaker's doing it. It doesn't matter if a staff member here does it. Every Sunday, somebody gets saved. Why? Because there was years of preparation preparing the ground for what God wanted to do. Okay? Um, so the beginning th- parts of anything is tough and, and can bring you to a place of contention because you know what God wants to do, you know what the vision is, but nothing's changed. That, that breeds frustration or contention. Those are not necessarily bad things, though. We've learned in the previous series that contention is just a sign that change is necessary, that I need to give God something new to work with. And this is why vision becomes important. It's one thing to have vision, but it's another thing. We got How many people are what you would call big picture people? Like you see the end of the thing, like the, the final problem. We got any big picture people? Come on, where's my dreamers at? Come on, we got dreamers all over the room. Like you see the end of a thing, right? You, you already see that building build and how beautiful it'll be when we're all in God's presence in there. But how many, there's a million small steps to accomplish that big dream. And, and so... Here's what God says in Psalm 119. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Vision includes big picture, but vision also includes next. I love this because I may not be able to see the end result, but God will give me enough light onto my path so that I can see to take my next step. See, that, some of us, we, we, we stay in the boat because we want faith for the whole thing. God's saying, I don't need you to have faith for the whole thing. I just need you to have faith for your next step. Yeah, this is good. You're preaching good, Pastor. <laughs> I just need faith for my next step. Um, but that can be a difficult step. And I love that the psalmist said that the light... God's word, the light, was for his feet. Why is is that the case? Because vision requires movement. Don't tell me you got a vision when you've been occupying a chair for 10 years. You have to have a step. There has to be a next place. All right? Um, let's, let's, Let's boil this down to where we are. Jesus said that it's God's will for his house to be full. How many believe that it's God's will for his house to be full? Right? Thank God we didn't say at 500, everybody else can go to hell now. No, God wanted us to provide more opportunities, more worship experiences, give more people an opportunity to hear the message of Jesus. It's his will that the house be full. As long as heaven and hell are real, that has to be the focus. So here's what I want to do now. Why does Bethesda Church exist? All right, that's what I want to answer. Bethesda Church exists to reach those who are far from God with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. I want you to digest that. We exist for people who are far from God. Okay? That means they don't have any concept. I, I celebrate. They can come right out. They can close the club down and then come here, and I'll celebrate it. 
I, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they've been through. It doesn't matter what they've done. We exist for people who are far from God, okay? Now, what we have to understand is, is we don't want them to remain far from God, okay? We, we want them to come. If we want them to know they can belong before they believe, all right? We, we, we believe that. It's something that we want to champion here at Bethesda Church, that we make sure everybody knows that they are welcome. Our win is that people who are far from God can come into a relationship with God and then begin to develop uh, that relationship with Christ for themselves. Now, we accomplish our vision through four steps. Everybody say four steps. Okay, it's not going to be confusing. When you leave here, you're going to be able to tell people what our vision is. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, take notes. And we have made it so simple. Like, it's not what, y'all ever had like a vision statement that was like two paragraphs long and had a bunch of words you couldn't pronounce? You're like, nobody knows what that means. All right, I'm going to help y'all. Y'all going to know what this means, okay? You're going to know what it means, okay? So we exist for people who are far from God. That, that's a priority to us. And we accomplish this through four steps. Now, before we go through the four steps, I want to take you to an Old Testament passage where God brings the children of Israel out of bondage. They're in Egypt 430 years. They cried out to God. The Bible says God heard their cry, responded to their cry, and brought them out of Egypt. Now, look at this text, Exodus chapter 6, chapter six verses 6 and 7. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. So God wanted to do four very specific things. He starts out by saying, I will bring you out. That's the first thing God said. I will bring you out. In the Passover meal, this is known as the cup of sanctification. It's an Old Testament picture of salvation. So really what we're saying right here, okay, because I told you I was going to make it practical for you. Everybody's going to know what the, the four steps are here at Bethesda. Number one, and this is real hard to remember, we want everybody to know God. How many think you can leave here and remember that one? Okay, we want you to remember that. We want everybody who leaves here to know the number one thing that church is about is that people will know God. That's number one. It is God's desire that people come into a relationship with him. God, how many of God is concerned about his lost kids? That's number one, which means, which means that has to be number one to us. The thing we celebrate the most, 2017, is that 758 people gave their life to Jesus. That's number one. That's, that's got to be the, the biggest win. We exist for people who are far from God. God said, the first thing I want to do is bring you out of Egypt. Egypt is a picture or a type and shadow of the world. Before you met Jesus, you were in bondage, not to Egypt, but to sin. And God said, I want to, I want to bring you out. That was the number one thing. So we want everybody to know God. How do we do that at Bethesda? Because we're like, no God. Well, how do we do that? We do that through the Sunday morning worship experiences. We've made it practical. It's not just that we want you to know God. Sundays are designed for lost people to be saved. It doesn't mean that if you are already saved, you don't get anything out of it. I hope you get something out of it. We did a, a whole sermon last Sunday on marriage. All right? So you, you, you should be receiving and growing 
But the highest priority is lost people coming to Christ. We do that through the Sunday worship experience. The second step, this is real hard to remember. We want you to find freedom. So, so far, you have four words to remember. Y'all are not smiling. Like, I can see this being difficult at 8.30. All right, know God, secondly, find freedom. We, we, he, he said in, to the children of Israel, look at this. He said, I want to free you. In, in the Passover meal, it's talking about a cup of deliverance, that when you get saved, all your issues are not resolved. You are ready for heaven, but you still got some mess to be dealt with. And you maybe have served God 30 years, and guess what? God's still working on you. <laughs> He's still doing some work in you. And, and what we have to understand about this second step, finding freedom, is that we confess our sins to God so that we can be forgiven, but we confess our faults one to another to be healed. And a lot of people, man, we get in church, and you know what we do? We put the mask on. We come to church, we wear the mask, nobody knows we're struggling, nobody knows that we've, we've got issues, we got addictions, we, we got unforgiveness, we got bitterness, we got things that, that, you know, we come and then people say, how are, I'm blessed and highly favored and on the inside we want to die because we're trying to resolve our yesterdays. We're, we're trying and, and the church has been notorious for uh, being a place where we all come and pretend like, you know. Let's just hold hands and sing kumbaya. Everything's good. And it's not always good. Sometimes you're here and the truth is you don't want to be here. Sometimes you, you got an addiction that nobody else knows about. And you're carrying it all by yourself. And the problem is, is church for a long time was a place where we were scared to death to tell anybody anything because we knew that Sister Bucketmouth would get on the phone and gossip. But on the other end of that, I shouldn't say Sister Bucket Mouth. Um, on the other end of that, um, you, you shouldn't confess your garbage to a thousand people either. And you shouldn't air it out on Facebook. That's not the place to get healing. Healing comes in a small group of people. That means I need some, some people in my life I can trust, which means that I probably shouldn't phone all of y'all and say, you know what, I'm really struggling. All right, but I do have people that I can say I am struggling to. I can vent and say, here's where I feel like I'm coming up short. Here's what I'm struggling for. Everybody needs someone. We are only as sick as our secrets. Think about that one. Take that one home. We're only as sick as our secrets, the things that we're not able to share with somebody else. Anything that remains in the dark that we refuse to bring in the light has power over us. And God has set it up so that you and I need one another. Small groups launch next week. Where y'all at? You think it's just we're going to sit around the table and eat chicken. When you would be surprised at a Monday night football group, the kind of conversations that came up. As men started doing real life together. And it may only take one man to say, you know what, my marriage is not good. And before you know it, there's actually two or three marriages in one group that are struggling. And we're able to come alongside, support, pray, 
check in on them. Listen, guys, this is powerful. But you got to take, listen, your next step is always the toughest step. So know God, find freedom. you got four words to remember. The third step that we do here at Bethesda, and, and that's how we find freedom, by the way. We do that through small groups. The third step is discover purpose. We're up to six words you got to know. We want everybody to know their purpose, that they are put on this planet. Listen, the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and then the day you discover why. That's the two most important dates. Finding out why you're here. We have a process to help you uncover not only your purpose uh, here at Bethesda. We want to plug you into the purpose here at Bethesda. But we also want to unlock some gifts that will help you in your marriage. That will help you on your job. That will help you to discover what, what career path you should take. All that. We want to help uncover that. We do that through a process that we call Next Steps that takes place once a month. If you haven't been through Next Steps... You need to go through it so that we can help you uncover your purpose. The fourth thing that we do at Bethesda, and this one's not two words, it's three. Make a difference. We want every person to make a difference. How do we do that, practically speaking, at Bethesda Church? We do that by serving on the dream team. We are most like Christ when we do two things, when we give and when we serve. All right? A powerful thing is that Jesus said something. He said it like this. He said, people will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. We cannot forget that it is a privilege to serve in God's kingdom. If you have the mindset that this is an obligation, you have completely missed it. If it's still an obligation and a burden to you, oh, I've got to get up and make coffee today, and oh, Lord, I've got to go to the nursery, and, and those crying kids and change those dirty diapers, uh, and, and I've got to go and open If you have it, that mindset, you are missing it because it's not that uh, i got to do this. It's we get to do this. It's, it's a privilege and an honor to serve in the kingdom. Watch this. Disciples are arguing over who's the greatest. And Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the greatest leader ever, he stands up, leaves the dinner table, girds himself with a towel, gets down on his knees, and washes their stinking feet and says, if you want to be great, you have to serve. How many believe Jesus is the model? Great leaders are the best servants. I think we, we get it backward. We think that to be great, you know, everybody will serve me. But John 13 has been really messing my world up. To be great doesn't mean everybody serves me. It means that I become the greatest servant. That I'm not asking for people to do something for, for me. I'm trying to find out how can I serve you. This is a beautiful thing. One of the things I love about our team, the culture that we've created with our staff here at Bethesda, is there's not a Sunday that I come in that every one of them don't ask me, what can I do for you? Which is beautiful, but I also look back at them. Came in early this morning, I said, Pastor John, what do you need? What can I do for you? How many of we should be serving one another? Finding ways to, to be more like Christ as it relates to, to serving. We do that through the dream team. You can find all about, uh, all about the dream team by going to next steps. Now, so we do four things. We want people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. 
Here's what I do know. If you will give us one year of your life, and I'm not saying, everybody stand up. I did this on first Wednesday, but I'm going to do it again. This would be a great time to do it. Everybody stand up. We got the lights on. All right, now I need you to turn around and look at your chair. Look at it. That's not your purpose. Come on, somebody. All right, you can be seated. I just wanted to show it to you. Your purpose is not to hold that chair down. You, you, God has wired you. Listen, your gifts and talents will help Bethesda reach more people. That's all it's about. God wants to utilize your uh, uniqueness to build his kingdom. Uh, I've said it several times this year. This is our grown-up year. This is a year to bring heaven into the earth. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. The next step is always the toughest step. But last Sunday, as I was talking to Pastor Brandon Holly, before we came out for the first service, he wanted to see the construction. And uh, uh, iHeart Church planted about six years. They're at about 1,400 people already between two locations. Um, and they've been through a couple building phases already. And so, obviously, we're building. I'm taking notes. Like, I, you know, anything you can tell. He's telling me sprinkler guys and, and, and you know, this company does it cheaper. And all. he's just walking me down the list. And we finished the conversation. And he looked at me and he said, you guys need to prepare for a big, big season of growth when you open up the new facilities. He said, the one thing we underestimated was how many new people would come just to see what was going on. And a lot of those folks stayed. The point I'm making is, is that we have to be prepared for the harvest God wants to send. No different than when we were at 200 and I was asking God for 400. He said, he told me very clearly, he said, if I sent you another 100 people, you couldn't handle them. So I'm not going to send them right now. You would damage the harvest more than you would... Bless the harvest. And so as we prepare for what God wants to do, and we are all not just attending services, but we're all in a group and we're all serving together, I believe God will entrust to us a great harvest. And hundred, I'm not even going to say hundreds anymore because 758 people got saved last year. Thousands of people are going to be impacted by what God does through your service and your faithfulness. Proverbs 29 and 18, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. When they attend, that last line really got me this week. When they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Um, I can't play this keyboard. Now, before you judge me, the reason I can't play that keyboard is because I have never given myself to that keyboard. The point that I want to make right here is whatever you give yourself to will give back to you. What, that's a principle in life. Whatever you give yourself to, it will give back to you. I cannot play the keyboard because I've not given myself to it. And some of you are like, even if you gave yourself to it, Pastor, you ain't playing that. <laughs> right? The point I'm making, whatever you give yourself to will give back to you. If you give yourself to one day a week of exercise, how many know one day of, a week of exercise, it will give back to you, but it will give back to you on that level. You'll get one day a week kind of harvest. We got some fitness junkies in this church, and they work out seven days a week. How many know if you give yourself to exercise seven days a week, it will give back to you that kind of harvest. 
Whatever you give yourself to will give back to you. Um, preaching gives back to me because I've invested in it for 20 years. I've poured myself into studying God's Word. If I hadn't done that for 20 years, I hadn't studied, how many know that when I got up to speak, you would know it? Like, he's not called to do that. Or he's missing God. Whatever you give yourself to will give back to you. Whatever I give myself to, I also receive from. That works in all areas of your life. It works um, with the local church. It works in your marriage. It works whatever you give yourself to, you will benefit from. Okay, But you have to first invest in it. He said that if we can't see what God is doing, we stumble. But then he connected this. He said, but those who attend to what God reveals, they are most blessed. There will be thousands of people touched by what God does in our new facilities. I believe there will be addicts set free, marriages restored, homes put back together. All that's going to happen. But the people that will be most blessed are the people on this side that are attending to what God has revealed. He said those people will be the most blessed. The Imagine campaign, this new facility, all this stuff, you know what it really is? It's an invitation for us to be a part of the miracle of Bethesda Church. God has given us an invitation. And any time God gives instructions on what he wants to do, all that's required is obedience. That's the only thing required. Anytime he speaks, when God gives an instruction for a building like, like we're doing, the only thing after that, he puts the ball in our court. And we get to respond to it or not respond. But in the Old Testament, he brought them out of Egypt. We walk you through the four steps. When they came out of Egypt into the wilderness, God said, I want you to build me a place. Remember, he doesn't pour glory out on nothing. He said, I want you to build me a place. And if you'll build it, if the people will obey and, and build this structure, my presence will dwell there. And I'll meet, I'll meet with you all because I want you to learn how to worship me. And so Moses receives this word. God wants to build something out in the middle of nowhere. And he said he's going to occupy it and visit us. And it's not just going to be me talking to God. He, he wants his presence to be. And if you, you were to go back and look, this is kind of uh, extra detail. But, but God's presence was in the center of what they had people this way, this way, this way, this, like north, south, east, and west, in the picture of a cross, but in the middle it was God's presence, God's tabernacle. Why? Because everything should be revolved around God's presence. He said, you're going to build that, I'll occupy it, and I'll meet with you. Okay? So Moses gets it. Now watch this. He goes to the people because God says the people are going to pay for this. It says in verse 5, Exodus 36, it says the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work of the Lord, the, uh, for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more, because what they had already had was more than enough to do all the work. Moses gets this instruction. Now, that doesn't mean anything unless you know the tabernacle they built appraises in today's money for $57 million. And they brought so much because the moment they were slaves one day, check this out, God brings them out, and on the day he brought them out of Egypt, you know what Egypt did? 
they gave the Israelites all the silver and the gold. So they went from slaves who had nothing, who were told when to get up, when to go to bed, when to eat, when not to eat. They went from that to extremely wealthy, come into this wilderness, and Moses receives an offering, and they bring so much that Pastor Moses stands up and says, stop it. Wouldn't it be really cool if I got up one day and said, stop it? Like, y'all have given so much. we built the new building. we built two gyms. we built a school. We're, I don't know how to spend all this. Y'all just stop it. Now, let me, let me say this. We're not there yet. So until I tell you we're there, work with me. Okay? Is that fair? All right, I'm, I'm closing this down. i got to bring it back to the heart of why we do what we do. The reason we do what we do, it's not about brick and mortar it's not about a bigger auditorium or sanctuary. It's not about any of that. You know what it's really about? It's about people. We could build a, a facility that's 900,000 square feet. But if it's not about people, you know what it is? A waste of money. A waste of time. Our Imagine campaign kicked off in March of 17. Many of you, you signed up for that. You pledged. You committed. But I want to encourage you today. Maybe, maybe you committed to that process and and maybe God is blessed, and you could do more than what you committed to. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to evaluate what you committed to, and you could say, you know what, I'm going to do more. I'm going to up that. Maybe you were not a part of our church at that time, and you didn't hear about the vision and what we're trying to accomplish, and this is the first opportunity you've had to, to be a part. It's, it was a 24-month campaign. We have just over 12 months left. So I've, we have placed, our team has placed pledge cards under every seat in this building. And so what I want to do is this next video gets ready to play because this video is going to help connect the dots for all of us of why we do what we do. It's one story of many lives changed. But during that video, if you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit, I'm not making anybody do this. Only if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I want you to fill out, fill out that pledge card and we'll have, I'll, I'll have some more instruction for you after this video. But I want you to check this out. Born in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, my parents always took me to the Catholic Church. Every Sunday we had to go to church. Um, it was more, I guess for me, a ritualistic thing. And what I've come to understand it as is kind of that religious box we talk about um, sometimes at church. Um, so till I was 10, I went to the Catholic Church. Uh, every Sunday with my family, went to catechism, went to Sunday school, all that stuff. And my mom made me be an altar boy when I was 10. And that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for me. So I did that for a couple Sundays and I wrote my own resignation for uh, the altar boys, handed it to you know, the father of the church at the time, and I was done with it. Uh, so for about 15 years of my life, I was kind of spiritually nowhere. Um, you know, in college, some things happened. That's another part, I guess, of my story. Um, but some things had happened and I was searching. Um, I needed something to fill kind of a spiritual void in my life. So I moved down to Covington, Virginia. I had a friend in the area that I went to high school with and he said to me, hey, do you wanna to go to church for me? And keeping completely in mind, I hadn't been to a church in 15 years. I was spiritually open, so I said, sure. I went to church, that church happened to be Bethesda and, and I guess the way I would describe it is I walked into the church and I could tangibly feel something, just an intense presence that I mean, I'd never felt before. Um, you know, cut to now, and I realized that presence was the Holy Spirit. 
But that's kind of been my journey uh, getting here and part of my testimony. And I mean, I guess that's my story. And without Pastor Chad, Pastor Karen kind of ministering to me in those ways, even early on when I just came to Bethesda for the first time and saying to me and really just being able to feel the you belong before you believe mentality, I wouldn't be where I am today. And that's that's been the past year of my life. And I know I've grown so much because of their teaching and the discipleship that I've had at this church from them every Sunday, but also from everyone that they've sown into at this church. So it's been a really awesome, awesome time for me to become part of this family and share my story with it. You walk into the door, you walk in the building, there's people at pretty much every door shaking your hand, greeting you, smiling at you. And that was, for me, in a church, that was a different thing because it was a little more laid back. It was relaxed. It was warm. It was welcome. So that's even before you enter the sanctuary. You enter the sanctuary and you kind of see, well, you see these lights over here and you see these lights over there and you see this big projector screen and it just felt very, you know, I guess modern, cool, hip, that type of deal. That's before the sermon even starts. Um, so you go to your seat and I mean, small thing, you know, the, the lights being dim, you kind of just have that moment to focus and be present with what you're feeling, what you're experiencing. And I guess, you know, in, in the ways that I've come to grow with it is you have that time to build that intimacy with God. Sitting there for worship with songs that I, I had never heard before in my life, but you have them right there on the screen for you. So, you know, if you feel inclined, you can start to sing along. So. I mean, a couple times into it, I, I started singing along and having that there was awesome because again, I'd never heard the songs before in my life. So you get to get walk through the door, you're, you're in worship. Uh, oh, and then, you know, there's a whole sermon, I guess, that goes on. Um, and just everything that Pastor Chad has, has taught, every sermon that I've got from him, for me, one, it's been a, man, I can't wait to see what's gonna happen next week. I can't wait to see what he's gonna preach next week because it's, it's good food for your soul. You're talking about the Bible, you're, you're, you're reading scriptures every week, but in the same vein, it's so relatable, so connectable to your life that you can take literally one, two, three, four, five things that he'll say in a sermon and apply that directly to what you're doing in your week, you know, your work week. So that whole experience for me has been awesome. And then, of course, you have the salvation call at the end of sermon, uh, which for me, that's, that's where I gave my life to Jesus. You know, you talk about the baptism of repentance without that offering without that kind of opportunity, you know, I, I don't know where I would be right now, but I think that's a huge part that we do every week because, you know, more and more lost souls are coming to this church, giving their life to the Lord, and it's because we have such, you know, such a great intimate worship experience. It's because we have such a great passionate leader like Pastor Chad, like Pastor Karen, you know, they're discipling us. I think that's definitely what Pastor Chad, Pastor Karen stressed, that that familial connection. It's all about people. You know, you, you really do belong before you believe. I mean, you know, building the new building, we're definitely growing. I see the growth continuing and I see God just continuing to do amazing and great things at this church. This is just the beginning, you know, going from seven to a thousand is just the beginning. So if that's just the beginning, more growth, more salvation, more spread of love, more Jesus everywhere. Now the darkness fades, it's new beginnings, as we lift us to the hope beyond. All creation waits with an expectation. To declare the reign of the Lord our God We will not be moved When the earth gives way For the risen world is overcome If we're in
Give God a big praise for all that he's done. We want to thank Alex for sharing his story. Would you stand with me today? If you feel led to commit to maybe doing more for the Imagine campaign, there'll be offering buckets up here that you could bring them to during this last song. There'll also be usher stationed at the back. You can drop those in on your way out. If you're here and maybe you, you were not a part of that last year, and you're like, you know what? Is it too late to get in? Absolutely not. We have more than 12 months to see this vision become a reality. You can still commit and pledge and commit. So do that if you feel the Holy Spirit is leading you to do it. But right now, I just want to speak to those that maybe you're in this place or watching online and you don't know Jesus. That's, that's what it's all about. That's what Alex was talking about in the video. It's about him. It's about a relationship with God. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, no one looking around. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need to ask him to forgive me for my sins. I, I don't want to leave here the same way that I came in. I want to leave differently. I want to know that my relationship with God is where it needs to be. If that is you, I, want, I don't want to embarrass you, but if it's you and you're like, I, I need to make things right today. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Thank you for that hand in the middle, this hand up front, one over there. God bless you. Those three hands. Anyone else? You say, that's, that's me need to make things right. Thank you for that hand. God bless you. Awesome. Anyone else? Anyone else? One back there. God bless you. Awesome. God is so good. This is why we do what we do for this moment. I want you to lift your voice with mine. We're going to pray with all those who raise their hand. We don't want them to feel alone. We all have made that prayer. We've all offered that prayer and committed our lives to Jesus. We're going to help them do it. Every voice lifted, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. But I can't save myself. Today, I'm asking you, to forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I confess that you came, you died, and you rose again for my sins. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate all those people. Yeah, amen. That's what it's all about. I'm going to ask that our prayer team and staff come forward. We're going to do one more worship song. If you need prayer, please don't leave without it. If you need to pledge, you can do that up here or on your way out. Thank you for being a part of our service. Before we sing this last song, can we give God the best praise we have all day, church? Amen. Thank you for joining us.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.